to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Okay, I'm going to jump right in here, and I'm basically going to dedicate this entire episode to the last school board meeting that just took place on 11-15-2021 in Oxford, Ohio, regarding the Talawanda City School Board, which is, of course, where I live. And... um that's the way that it is. And I vote. I'm a registered voter in this district. Therefore, I have legal action and legal recourse regarding the moves that they make because, of course, all of that money is tied together. And I vote for school board members and they are on the ballot in XYZ. On top of that, slight disclaimer, as many of you, of course, already know, I'm not a lawyer. So what I do is, is I simply reference law that exists and I'm allowed to do that in my capacity as any citizen is allowed to do that in their capacity. They're also allowed to issue legal warnings to anybody and anyone that they choose to, and they can reference said law as the day is long. We are we have our we have our rights to do that. And rules do not abridge rights under any circumstance. Twenty eight USC two zero seven two B. Rules do not abridge rights. So it's worth noting that going forward regarding everything that schools are doing right now, playing doctor, acting as if a private organization or a county organization tells them to do something that is quote-unquote health-related and then they just go along with it. They cannot do that because, again, schools do not own humans. They do not own persons or people. They do not own children. They do not own adults. They can't legally. It's not the way that that works. We own ourselves, and that's the way that it is. So here's what happened at the school board meeting. Among the public comments, the first comments were um, had to do with finances, which in the district grades, I'm not concerned with any of that because, again, that that's almost always manipulative. In every case, I'm speaking directly to two things in this particular episode, my comments, my public comments, and then the comments that were made after mine from two individuals who, again, all of this is public. It's on YouTube. All of this is for the record. And then you're going to hear directly from the board in their allotted section of the meeting where they are discussing their quote-unquote COVID policies and XYZ. What you're going to hear, again, directly from them are statements that they make that they can actually not legally make because they took an oath to an office. I did not. And as I have stated before, when you take an oath to an office, there are more things that you have to do and more things that you cannot do legally that, say, said citizen, such as myself, gets to do. I have a First Amendment right, they do too, except for them, they cannot play doctor. They cannot encourage people to take shots, COVID shots, vaccines as they say, and they say that, and they say that time and time again. Same thing with the mask wearing. They don't get to strip the right to breathe from anybody because they don't own the people who attend those buildings. So I'm going to play my comments first. I'll jump in at the end, 
and then I'll play the comments of a couple of individuals who spoke after me who were advocates of mask wearing, and they speak on a couple of other nonsense issues, and then uh, and then again, like I said, you'll hear directly from the board themselves, and then I'll bounce in and out so that you can hear again their comments. I want to make this abundantly clear as well, too. As a result of their inability to make the right choice last night, legally speaking, I'm moving forward with them, all of them, individually and collectively, in a court of law, legally. Those papers are being built. The case will move forward. There is no exact case as of right now, but there is going to be. And I know that they're listening to this, and I hope that they are, because they cannot sustain this on a personal level, nor a professional one. They don't have the money. They don't have the law on their side. And like most school districts, what they will do, if they have an actual lawyer who actually has their head not inserted in their ass, what they will say is, is they will say, you need to rescind all of this now. You need to stop doing what you're doing now. Because again, what you're going to hear out of their own mouths is their mind frame. Now, we know that spongiformal encephalopathy, or mad cow disease, is a side effect of the jab. I'm not accusing them of having mad cow disease yet. Although, what you will hear is, is that they cannot pinpoint the reasoning of one action as a result of another. That we need to do this because we need to do this. But if this happens, then we have to go back to this and XYZ. These people actually believe that the mask is a preventative device when it comes to someone becoming ill. They actually think that, even though it clearly says on the direction warning label on the box of masks itself that it does not do the thing that they say it does. That would be an exhibit in a court of law that they would not be able to, to, uh, to argue. That is a line in an affidavit that they would not be able to respond to. And the moment that they did, they would have to, of course, tell the truth and say, oh yes, it says, does not protect against SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus or any flu or virus of any kind. And there you have it. The mask alone and the directions of the medical use of a mask alone wipes this entire thing away. They don't know that yet because they're not paying attention. But what they do admit is that they are quote-unquote getting tired of the mask as one of the board members is incessantly coughing throughout the entire board meeting, taking her mask off, blowing her nose, putting her mask back on, having trouble breathing, and again coughing. They, of course, don't know that that cough is viral and that depriving the body of oxygen is only going to make that worse. So with all of that said again, playing doctor, sorry, you don't get to do that. Here are my public comments, and then I'll jump in afterwards. With that, if anyone would like to step up and say something. Dr. Sean Brooks, Oxford. Uh, We want this action and information that's being stated and distributed to you as part of the official meeting record for this board meeting. You're being advised that claims will be filed against your security bond as well as your good faith and honesty in office policy. 
under Ohio Revised Code 3.07, Section 2901.01, and Section 2919.22. We may also sue you in federal district court under 18 U.S.C. 242, 18 U.S.C. 245, 21 CFR subsection 50.24, and 42 U.S.C. 1983 in both your official and individual capacities. We will seek comp uh, compensatory and punitive damages against each Talawanda School Board district member individually, including the superintendent and the treasurer. In spite of parental requests to make mask wearing optional, if you do not rescind all of your COVID measures, which also include your implemented mask wearing, contact tracing, social distancing, quarantining, isolation, segregation, and discrimination throughout the entire school day, and all school-related activities for all students and employees, the insurance and legal claims may move forward. As of this notice, we require a vote tonight, 11-15-21, by all members to rescind any and all COVID guidelines and measures effective immediately. None of your mandates or procedures are bound by law. Talawanda School District parents reserve the sole and exclusive right to make health care decisions for their children, even while on school property. Parents are prepared to file claims of liability against you personally and your insurance company for damages. You're legally bound to your own oaths, not the oaths of Oxford City Council or the actions of Miami University, nor the public, sorry, Butler County Health Department. You stand alone and we wait. We await your vote tonight. Officer, can you hand these to them, please? Okay, now with that said... I gave them the opportunity. They allotted an entire section in their in their board agenda to again address the COVID topic as they tend to in almost every board meeting. They had an opportunity there. I had the police officer take the documents and hand them to the treasurer. Each document, of course, is addressed directly to each member, the treasurer and the superintendent included. The stack of papers sat on the treasurer's desk for the remainder of the meeting. They didn't even think to read it or ask to read it or ask to see it because, again, this is their standard procedure. They just assume that they can hand this off to their lawyers and their lawyers will just say, whatever, it's a warning, it's no big deal. He probably won't go through with anything. What they don't seem to understand is that some of us have the time, the money, the resources, and the energy to see this through to its logical conclusion. Those of us out there actually exist, and I happen to be one of those people. And there isn't anything that's going to stop me unless they kill me. It's that simple. I have too many resources at my disposal. There are too many people involved in this. They won't win. I gave them the opportunity, though. And what you'll hear from them later on, of course, in their delusions of whatever, is they actually believe that they can put on and take off a quote-unquote mask mandate or rule anytime they want without having a formal session about it. That they just get to make a decision as to whether or not children are gagged or not. Now, I'm not here to convince them of medical fact. That can be done in a court of law because I've told them medical fact to their faces. 
and they don't want to believe it. So again, cognitive dissonance has nothing to do with this here. I think it's funny, and I'm going to highlight it here in just a minute, but people have to understand again that there are Ohio codes and U.S. federal laws that are being broken with all of these moves that are made. Full context, the state of Ohio has no emergency mandate in place. Even if they did, it's not bound by law, and the governor of Ohio knows that which is why there is no emergency mandate in place, and there won't be one put back in place, because if there is, he'll be sued, and he'll lose. That's why there isn't one. So now this boils down to the actual insanity of the people at the local level who think that they're in charge. The law is in charge. We, the people, are in charge. That's the way that this works. We don't have to have a have a have a recall of any kind because a, a recall would be lost most likely although after a court decision having a recall is something that certainly could take place and that of course is an option that is on the table and yes as i've said this is going to go to court because they're not ruling in favor of what the actual law states, which again means every passing day they're breaking the law. With that also said, there's going to be an individual on that board who is about to retire and leave the board permanently. This does not absolve her of of legal action against her in her personal capacity. She too has been warned, now formally, of the laws that she has broken. Just because she broke them months and months ago and right now does not mean in the future she can't be prosecuted or cannot be sued and have money taken away from her in damages. That can also happen, and it will happen. There's another individual, of course, who won in the most recent election. The moment he takes the oath and sits on that board is the very moment that he is bound by law to do what the law requires. And the law requires rights of the people, including the right to breathe, the right to not have restricted medical attention, oxygen, and so on and so forth. Not to mention, of course, the discriminatory laws that have been broken, the segregation laws that have been broken. And ladies and gentlemen, the stories that I'm hearing of children and the way that they've been treated in these schools is heartbreaking, to say the least. It's heartbreaking. Parents are not even being contacted when their child is being segregated and discriminated against because of a suspicion of illness. Never before has this ever happened. Everybody remembers the kid who would just barf in the hallway. The janitor would come up, mop it up, throw some sawdust on top of it, and then everybody would go about their business while the hallway smelled like puke for the rest of the day. Now, they have an entire Gestapo policy in place, not a law, but a rule, where again, they have to quarantine said individual within the building either not contact or contact the parent. They're not even, my point is this, they're not even sticking to their own rules, and their rules aren't laws. But the new board member who takes over, he will receive this legal warning in the mail. It will show up at his house. 
and he'll have to lawyer up. These are the kinds of things that are going to take place and should take place within every school district that is still doing this. Also, fun fact, the districts around us do not have mask mandates, but this one does. This one is still holding on to it as much as they can. And what you'll hear them say, of course, as they say in all of these meetings, they talk out of both sides of their mouths. They have forked tongues like a snake. One side says this, and then they say this, the exact opposite in the same breath. They will say that they do not do or rely on what other bodies do. Other organizations, other councils, etc., etc. And then in the same breath, they will say, so here's what city council is doing, and we should take that into consideration. And here's what this organization is doing at the state level, and we should take that into consideration. They're always taking into consideration what others are doing, and yet their individual oath to office directly states that they have to do what they are legally obligated to do. If the state jumps off of a building, they don't get to jump off of a building and say, the state told me so. If they murder a child in the middle of a gymnasium or the middle of a cafeteria during a jab session, which you're going to hear them talk about shortly in just a minute, and how that's coming up this Saturday in their own cafeteria, and they're advocating for first, second shot, and booster shots to be administered to any and all individuals, and there's at least 100 people who have signed up for it, of which course, of which of, of which case, rather, no informed consent is being provided. The police will be called on them because they are breaking the law. They're administering an emergency use authorization shot to people that does not work, has been proven to not work, even out of Anthony Fauci's own mouth, he has said it does not work, which is why he wants people to get boosters. This is a kill program. This is not a, we want to give you a uh, the cure to something that we created in the first place plan. That's not what this is. And if a kid dies on their property, they cannot absolve themselves of the liability that will come down the pipeline as a result of that happening. Or an adult who suffers an adverse reaction on the spot. They're opening up their entire organization and property to lawsuits that any human can file. Again, you don't have to be a lawyer. The founders of this country purposefully set it up that way. Now, here are the next two comments from the speakers who spoke after me. I'm going to leave a couple of people out because, again, it's, it's, um, it's not that it's contradictory to what I or it's not that it's um, necessarily in line with, with what I said, but I'm, I'm playing these two individuals because it will give you a taste as to where their, where, where their mental frame is in this entire issue. So here we go. This is the first person. President of Oxford, I have a child at Kramer. Um, thank you, as always, for your service, and uh, I appreciate that you take into account the entire well-being of our students. You take into account their um, the 
guidance that comes from people who have expertise and wisdom that is greater than ours. So thank you for what you're doing for masks. And I know that the masks are on the agenda for this evening. And I hope that you will consider that our five to 11 year olds are only some just barely getting started to be vaccinated. Um, and very much appreciate the district offering a vaccine clinic. And if there can be a calendar taken into account that the children who will not get their second shot if they use it, the schedule from the district until January 8th plus two week waiting period in consideration before you make any changes to our current policy. Um, I did hear a member of the Talawanda staff talk about how much masks are keeping our kids in school, keeping the staff in school and keeping the teachers in school. So thank you for that. I also want to address the, one of the policy changes that are proposed, and that is the change to proposed change to limit the number of people who are allowed to speak at public comment. You know, not everyone is able to be at this meeting before the start of 7 p.m. Not every parent is able to be here even before this comment period starts. Um, any effort to require people to sign up in advance to speak is limiting free speech. Our community. And our children, we teach them how to self-advocate. We teach them how to speak up for what they believe is right and wrong. Even when we very respectfully disagree with one another, I believe that even though there have been challenging meetings, that our communication and our sharing of opinion only strengthens us as a community and only helps us understand who we all are. Please consider not restricting those who can attend this meeting and speak more significantly and speak at this meeting. Thank you. Now, again, they have the right to advocate for jabs if they want, just like I had the right back in August to show up and tell them that they're likely to die if they take these shots because people are dying. You see, they're stroking this up to, well, COVID still exists, or, oh, it's a variant. That's why people are getting sick now, or, oh, it's the flu. We've never seen the flu this bad before. No. That's not what it is. It's the shots that have destroyed their immune systems. They're not going to believe that, though. They'll never believe it. A court will rule against them on said issue, and they still wouldn't believe it. I've said this before. Jesus Christ himself would come down, look at them, say, I made you. These shots are killing people, and they still wouldn't believe it. They still wouldn't believe it. With all of that said, she also brought up, of course, that she's not just advocating for the jabs, but advocating for the jab location within the cafeteria and the clinics, quote-unquote. And then, of course, she brought up a random teacher, or she could be lying, but it doesn't matter one way or another, that a teacher just wanted to thank you because the masks are keeping children in school, and we want to keep children in school. They think that the masks are keeping people healthy. I've brought this up in the past as well. It's medical fact. Not only do the masks reduce oxygen greatly to an unhealthy level immediately using the oxygen meter that can easily be used by anyone and purchased on Amazon for nothing, but... Oxygen deprivation is the number one cause of cancer at the cellular level. 
This is, a, this is medical fact. This is indisputable. And when that cell becomes cancerous and can become cancerous, if 35% of its oxygen is deprived, if that cell is not destroyed by the immune system, it will start to replicate and it will find an oxygen-deprived area of the body to continuously replicate and metastasize. And it will just grow and grow and grow. The masks are a cancer-causing agent, which is why it clearly says again on the boxes, should not be worn for any length of time. Does not prevent against viruses, blah, 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 blah. I've been over that. But you can again hear her mind frame. This is, this is the issue. Now here is the second speaker. Um, I live in the district and I have kids at Bogan and the middle school. Um, I, um, similar to Amy, ask that you um, keep the mask mandate in place until kids are fully vaccinated. Um, I know it's tempting to drop it um, soon, but it's going to be a while until kids are fully vaccinated. Many of them haven't had an opportunity to even have their first dose. Um, so please just keep that in mind and um, don't rush to dropping that um, when the city mandates ends. I believe it's December 13th. And then I also just want to speak about the policy change for public comment. Um, I think it's great how many people are getting more active speaking up um, at these meetings. And they should not be limited to having to be here early to sign up. Some people, you know, are coming from work or rushing out of the house, balancing, you know, dinner with the kids and stuff. I came here straight from leading a Cub Scout meeting and, you know, barely got here in time. Um, you know, it's already limited enough to having to, like, be in person at this meeting. I don't want to see it limited more. And then I know you guys don't want people coming up and speaking and reacting to what other people say. But sometimes people just haven't had an opportunity to look at the agenda or know what some of the items in the agenda really mean. Like this exact thing on the agenda is buried in a PDF of policies that I would typically overlook of just like, oh, they're renewing all of these like basic policies. That's what school boards do. Um, so please just reconsider that. I'd like to see, you know, more public uh, participation instead of limiting it. Thank you. I'm not sure I have much to add to that particular section. It, it's pretty self-explanatory. What they're also commenting, of course, in, in with both individuals is they're commenting on a policy w where the school board was interested in, in particular, the superintendent, because they've allotted him more power than what any superintendent should have. And in many cases, throughout an entire school board meeting, it's the superintendent that is running the show. That should never happen. They should never relinquish that much responsibility to a superintendent. That's number one. Number two, the superintendent references how the lawyers group that apparently represents school districts in the general area are trying to limit the kinds of comments that get made, or the topics, I should say, and then, of course, potentially the number of people that get to speak. This particular school board has a 30-minute time limit. Each individual within that 30-minute time limit can speak for three minutes. That's it. 
but they want a sign-up sheet now in advance. And the sign-up sheet, as we all know, is a censorship sheet. They try to justify it later on by saying, no, that's not it. It's because we just want we don't want people to repeat the same subjects over and over again. It's all public record because it's on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. That's not what it is. They don't want people like me showing up and saying the truth to the room because then that gets out and they can't have that. Now, they don't think that I'm telling the truth, but they also don't understand cognitive dissonance and they have no idea what false equivalency even means. So they can't be helped in that regard, but it's a typical Bolshevik move to create a policy under the guise of time management to limit a person's ability to speak. And it's, it's standard procedure for them. So, yeah, not much else to add there. I could care less about their limiting of free speech policies because what's coming down the line goes way above free speech. We're talking about life and death here. And they're actually advocating for the harm of people, even though they think they're not. See, thinking and believing is are, are two separate things. Fact and opinion are not the same thing. They can say to themselves all day long, Santa Claus is real, Santa Claus is real, the tooth fairy exists, and the Easter bunny poops out eggs on Easter and hides them around the house. They can say that as the day is long. It won't hold up in court. In fact, it probably won't even get to that stage regarding Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and the Easter Bunny. It just won't. They'll say, wait a minute, you think this is happening and that this does this. Well, we have these documents here that say it doesn't. So, game over. Change your policy now because your policy is breaking the law. That's coming down the line. That's going to happen. And their human resources director and every single principal and administrator, assistant, principal, etc., teachers included, anybody within this district is actually breaking their contractual obligations that hold up their own licenses, that hold up their own teaching licenses. This is conduct unbecoming of an educator. And those claims will be filed against the Ohio Department of Education as well, against all of them. And they'll all be investigated. And the laws that will simply be referenced throughout each claim, they'll be stripped of their licenses. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's coming. They were warned last night. They may be listening now. It's irrelevant. The ball has already been kicked down the mountain here. They're not fast enough to catch it, and they can't stop it. So now I'm going to fast forward in the meeting to the section where you will hear the board bringing up their COVID what have you. It's the portion of the meeting that they have allotted to discuss this. And again, you will hear their mind frame. And one last thing, because you're going to hear his voice as well. The individual who has the higher-pitched voice, and that's, I'm trying to be as descriptive as possible, but he has a higher-pitched voice, you're going to hear him. 
He is the superintendent, and you will hear him talk, and you'll hear his take on things as well. Everyone else, again, they're all board members. Mask and COVID update and discussion. Dr. Throat, do you have additional information about this? So with the mask and COVID update, just, just some information. Um, the superintendents met with Butler County Health Commissioners, I think it was last Thursday, Veterans Day, and we just received some information this week. The last two weeks, there's been a slight uptick in positive cases, not only in our area, 45056 zip code and area, but in Butler County. So there has been a slight uptick. Um, you will also notice that some districts around us are um, getting rid of or strongly recommending masks. However, the students ages 5 through 11 just recently were approved to receive vaccinations. I, I quickly grabbed the first dates that I could when setting up with the health department when they could come out and do a vaccination clinic here. So we have November 20th as our first vaccination. We have 110 people, individuals currently re registered for it. But our second one isn't until January 8th. I couldn't change the dates or pick a different date that was closer. I mean, I was at will of when the health department could come. So I have concerns that when we're talking about a mask, what's going on, that we ensure we have time that people who want to be vaccinated get vaccinated. I have concerns that we're going into the holiday and indoor sessions. So could it spike more? I'm not sure. I'm hoping not. We also heard the data that we have shared before with the pilot of Warren County. So that is some evidence and why some people are moving quicker on that. We still have a city of Oxford mandate in place for wearing masks, and that's through um, December 13th. So these are all facts. Very quickly on the city mandate, you can figure out the legal stance on this right now. They are not bound by the city's quote-unquote mandate. They are a separate entity. They are a private property. Actually, it's public property. They're a, they're a taxpayer-funded public property. They have their own oaths because they are an elected body on their own. It's that simple. It's no different than the President of the United States taking an oath and then saying, do this. And then people at the local level say, no, we're not doing that. They get to say no. But they're combining themselves with the oath takers of an other entity in a defense so that if something goes bad, everybody just points a finger at the other entity and they somehow think that they're going to get away with it. That's not, no, <laughs> it's, it's laughable. That's not the way that that works. That isn't the way that that works. If all entities kill someone because one entity said it was okay, they don't get to look at each other and say, well, the other entity said it was okay, so you know that's why we killed a person. No, 
doesn't work that way. That's not the law. And the law can't be clearer on that issue. But like I said at the very top of this episode, that's what these bodies do. They don't read the law themselves. They don't even read their own contracts. I've been over that in the past as well regarding countless school officials, including the average classroom teacher. They don't even read their own contracts. Because it says in those contracts, don't abuse a child. Well, mask wearing is abuse. That can clearly be labeled in Ohio code, which is what I told them, which is what they've been warned about. On top of that, their justification for their own actions is without merit, to say the least. So I'm just going to keep playing this because it's just embarrassing throughout, and you'll hear their nonsensical back and forth, and then their rationalizing why things are the way they are. These people, ladies and gentlemen, actually believe what they're saying. That's the, that's the odd part. When we're talking about masks, our quarantine numbers have come down due to the new protocols and procedures. However, as I just stated, we are seeing more positive students, very few staff, and the positive students tend to be in homes that a brother, a sister, a parent, aunt, uncle, grandparent that has been positive and it seems to be spreading that way. Um, the last thing with the COVID as it goes forward and we also at this clinic that we're offering on November 20th, we will also vaccinate anybody who wants to sign up for a first shot, a second shot, or even a booster if they're six months out of it and they can sign online as well. And again, I think our goal has been to stay open to in-person learning. That's the ultimate goal. While I am sick of masks like everybody else is, it's up to the board, but I am concerned right now if we do it too quickly. Other thoughts from other school board members? Yeah, I um, I I think that we uh, need to start putting a plan in place for when we're going to end the mandate. And I think people are uh, eager for it, and uh, we we need to start planning for it. Um, I uh, also I hear everything Ed is saying here, and am really deeply appreciative of having two vaccination clinics already scheduled. I think that's just excellent. Um, I, I feel like um, we, uh, the timing of this needs to be really carefully thought through, and I guess I'm hoping at the next board meeting we might hear some proposals of when it's going to happen um, and, and approve a plan. Uh, I, that's what I'd like to see uh, personally. Um, and, and I really think it's also time to really invite our whole community to step up and get vaccinated. We're not going to, I know not everybody's going to get vaccinated, but our vaccination rate in, in our zip code is one of the three lowest in Butler County right now. And we're not going to win this war on this disease until um, 
until uh, the masks are not going to are not going to beat it. The vaccination rates are is what's going to ultimately end this. And so I really want to help our community um, get our vax rates up as high as possible, even realizing not every family or every person is going to make that choice, but hoping and encouraging as many families as can to do it, to take advantage of clinics and to keep everybody else healthy. Um, and that really helps us uh, keep everybody safe and really end the, the mask mandates as confidently and as safely as we can. So that's kind of where I am um, as a board member. I agree that we need to have a specific plan. We need to stop being so nebulous about it. I would agree also that our next board meeting is on December 13th, which is when the city mandate expires. And I think at that point, we need to make a decision moving forward. I totally agree, because I think it behooves us to be open and honest and to um, have a plan put in place, because you're right, we're all tired of them. But we also, um, I keep going back to losing Mike Davis. Um, that was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to experience. And I don't wish that for anyone. So um, I certainly support putting it on the docket for the December meeting and moving forward. I think I would echo those sentiments. I think um, one of the things I was looking forward to in getting rid of the mask mandate is the opportunity for our younger students to be vaccinated. And that opportunity is now upon us and the district is helping uh, people achieve that. Um, and, the, and our second shot clinic will be January 8th. I think now that that's in place and we know, you know, possibly by that date, the people that want to have their child vaccinated will have had an opportunity for uh, to get them vaccinated in the second shot. Um, I'm in favor of then you know, getting rid of the mask mandate depending on transmission rates in the county and positivity rates. So I would suggest that, that uh, Dr. Throw, maybe next month you, you come back like the other three board members have said with like a specific plan written up with some uh, data points and a, and a possible date, you know, after that January 8th um, second clinic where we can uh, sort of maybe turn over the authority to you and say, uh, we give you the authority to lift it if these conditions are in place and authority to put it back on if conditions change, because that'll make our response more nimble than if, you know, all of a sudden the virus takes a different direction and spikes. We don't have to wait for another board meeting to react um, it, and to allow you to um, take those actions based on some metrics that we vote on in December. If you can come back with something specific, that would be my recommendation. I'm just going to jump in a little bit because I'm a, I'm a little perplexed a little bit. Um, we do have a, a flu protocol or a contagious disease protocol when we have like 20% of the class grade level or building when we exceed that, I have the authority to close close it down. It could be a short time, which of course that's what we would be looking, I think, in this case too. And we could 
now have the ability to place people on remote learning. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, I know it has been used in the future before, not in the future, in the past before I came. I believe it's been used once or twice. We've come really close during flu pandemics when we've had that. So my recommendation would always be that I will follow our policies and procedures on that. I think what I would be waiting for is putting this on the board agenda and the board making the decision. And then I exactly this second part, if that occurs, then I could move into that, make those decisions. I can put that on the December agenda if that's what the board wishes. And that policy just follows what we've done in the past. We've had flu outbreaks, nothing new. No. I don't, I don't think it's something that we've done permanently. It's always been for a short period of time. Could be a week. Could be, for instance, I'm just going to give you examples of scenarios that happens. Like right now in Marshall Elementary in third grade, we have many students that are positive. And we are seeing an outbreak. So one of the things we could do is we could close down Marshall for four or five days, kind of like what we did with eighth grade. But what we're doing first is we're masking up during recess time and we're checking and monitoring to make sure there's no more spread. But the eighth grade, for instance, when we closed that down, when I closed it down, I'll take responsibility for that. We were at, I think it was 32 or 36 percent. We were way over. The twenty percent mark, um, and I was monitoring that, and I was hoping we could pull it back. But when we took those days off and went to remote learning, it's not great for parents. It's not great for students. But when they came back, it dipped with the COVID positivity rate, which is what we wanted to do. So I, I agree. Using those numbers, it would be a short-term closure. If there was anything bigger. I would definitely be come to the board and say, hey, we need to have a different type of discussion, decision. What I'm hearing the board say is we'll put this on the December agenda review. I, I, I will do that for a decision. Thank you, everyone. Um, and thank you for everybody for your patience. Our, our main goal is to keep these schools open, keep them safe. All we're after. Again, they can use the word, we're trying to keep people safe, or the, the phrase, or the saying, we're trying to keep people safe, that's all we're after. They can do that in a court of law, and it still won't hold up. They can wave their hands around frantically and say, we just wanted to help. We just wanted to. We just wanted to. That's not the law. You'll hear them use the words, and you heard them use the words, policy, procedures, and mandates none of which are laws, none of them, as you can also hear in their delusions. They think that a date on the calendar is indicative of removing an illegal procedure and that somehow scheduling time out for that a month from now is going to absolve them of their illegal behavior. No, that it doesn't work that way either. Like I said in the past, you break a law today, you've already broken it. There's no putting that toothpaste back in the tube. And they can't, again, logically say in the same breath, 
we want to keep everybody safe, we want to keep everybody healthy, but we're going to take up this quote-unquote health issue a month from now and potentially reverse everything that we've already done. They, of course, also don't understand, and I'm not going to get into it again because I've been through it on so many episodes, but they don't know how the immune system actually works. They don't know that influenza is the shot, the flu shot, quote-unquote, and that when those people who have been inoculated are around those who have not, the people who have not who are unhealthy, will get sick from being around the ones who have been inoculated. It is no different with these COVID jabs. Same concept applies. They've been inoculated, and then they are around people who have not been inoculated. But they also, of course, believe in their delusion that being inoculated around other inoculated people is somehow going to be healthy for everyone, including the inoculated. Ladies and gentlemen, no. No. It does not work that way either, all while, of course, engaging in oxygen deprivation. The criminality and illegality runs deep. It runs right through the Department of Health at the local level, at the county level. It runs through all of these school boards. I said it a year and a half ago in March of 2020. They will show their hands. Everyone will now see the illegal behavior to which schools are willing to go to without thought, without reservation. Those articles were published that I wrote saying that. Watch what will happen. They will ask for a snow day, then they will ask for a snow week, and then a snow month, and then a snow year. And then they'll have everybody wear galoshes while it's 90 degrees outside and there's no snow on the ground, and they will make that their quote-unquote mandate. Not laws. Endless laws are being broken. I have them listed. Only some of them were given to them in writing. Again, their, their lawyers actually think this isn't going to move forward. They're still saying that to themselves, probably listening to this. He's still bluffing. I'm not bluffing. There are many people on this. Too many for you to handle. But the warnings are over. That already happened. Now it's time to move forward. So, for the audience, who typically listens to this podcast, God bless each and every one of you again. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something. Here's what I'm going to include in the description below. I'm going to include the Ohio Government Code and Laws website, where there is clearly going to be three search bars. This can be applied to any state in the United States because they all have generally the exact same website just with a state name change, basically. And you will see the state codes that are being broken. That's number one. Number two, if you want to see examples of federal codes that are being broken, that document 
and a list of those federal codes, among countless others, of course, will be listed on my website under the Documents tab as well, in its own PDF, and I will make sure and put that on there. Thirdly, I'm going to place a link to the Ohio Departments of Education Complaint Form website. You will see four PDFs, if I'm not mistaken. One of them is titled Citizen Complaint Form or Citizen's Report Form. That's the one that anybody can download. Fill it out and go after every single teacher and every single administrator who holds a license, including the superintendent. They all hold state licenses. List the federal codes that they are breaking. List the specific actions within that form. It's, the form is actually crystal clear. And then, of course, you send it. You print it off. You type in your responses, being as respectful as you can, but getting down to brass tacks as well, in chronological order of what's taken place, names, dates, times, actions, and then you print it out and you send it to the Ohio Department of Education. If you think for a moment that the Ohio Department of Education is not overwhelmed with these, you are mistaken. They are overwhelmed with them and you need to continue to make that the case. Every state can do this. Every school district can do this. Any parent, any stranger on the street can do this to anyone in the state of Ohio. That's the way that it works here. So I'm going to link those in the description below. I'm not going to speak on this issue any longer in the future for obvious reasons. Wish you all the, all the best. Take care. God bless. And I believe on Friday's episode, Dr. Robin McCutcheon is going to be joining us again. So make sure and stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.